are listening to the Grassroots Sermon Podcast. For more information about who we are or how you can become involved, please visit us at grassrootswv.com. I'm going to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. If you're at home, I encourage you to grab your Bibles, Exodus chapter 12, as we go into our time of Scripture reading today. And just so you know, find Exodus chapter 12, and then be ready to go to Luke chapter 22. And I, I love seeing pages turn. I love seeing phones out. If it's an, if it's an app, that's the Bible. Okay, I hope that's what you're hope that's what you're checking out. Derek just proved it. He said, yep. Is it ESV? <laughs> All right, y'all. Exodus chapter 12, and uh, I'm just encouraging you, if you're in the room uh, and don't have a Bible, the verse is on the screen. If you're at home, the verse will be on the screen uh, for you as well. Uh, but if you have a Bible, follow along. Exodus chapter 12, uh, we are reading out of the ESV, starting in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses. He and his, oh, sorry, uh, sorry. According to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Verse five, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. When the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight, then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall uh, let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened and your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Verse 14, this day shall be for you a memorial and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. This is God's word. And so I encourage you to go over to Luke 22. That is where we're going to spend our, uh, the bulk of our time today, um, we are teaching on communion today, okay? If you were uh, wondering <laughs> what we're going to get into, we're going to teach on communion because um, we do communion here once a month. We do the Lord's Supper once a month, but uh, it's 
kind of tagged on to the end of the normal gathering. And a lot of times we don't get time to dig into what exactly are we doing. And so today I am excited to teach on this. And uh, just to start off, just to kind of ask a question, I want to ask y'all, has anybody ever had anything that they wished they'd uh, paid more attention to or um, even taken more seriously when they're younger? Uh, For me, I know I wish uh, that I would have taken school uh, with a greater seriousness, uh, a greater degree of seriousness. When I was younger, uh, my boys will be learning something. I'll, I'll hear about what they're learning. I could tell that they're bored by it or disinterested, and I'm just fascinated by it, but I know at their age, I felt the same way, or I do know math to me fascinates me because of the way it works. If you know me, my brain doesn't like math, uh, but my, my 10-year-old is uh, learning math and, and needs help with it, and so my 13-year-old has to teach me uh, before I can help the 10-year-old, and I'm thankful for the, the 13-year-old. There's times, I'm not kidding, there's times I actually have to tell Gavin, hey, buddy, um, slow down. <laughs> Let daddy catch up, okay? Uh, so, so learning math, it, it fascinates me. I wish I would have paid attention a little bit more. I know if you don't know, I've gone back to school and, and started, um, kind of jump-started my theological education, and I have to write reports. And constantly, anybody else real quick, anybody else purchase Grammarly? Anybody? Am I the, okay, at least one other. Thank you. I'm glad I'm not the only one in the room that had to purchase that. Um, if you're unfamiliar, Grammarly corrects all your mistakes. And in a 10-page paper, I will have about 130 mistakes. Um, and so I'm thankful for Grammarly to fix those uh, because it saves my wife a whole lot of time. Uh, so she doesn't have to. But, but I kind of wish I'd paid attention more in school and, and just looking in where I'm at in life now, I see where it would have been beneficial. And I, I want to say, I think that's a lot of times how we uh, approach communion. Uh, the Lord's Supper is, this is just something we do. This is something the church does. Yeah, we remember Jesus and I'm going to drink the juice. I'm going to eat the cracker and the cracker's nasty, but the juice is decent. And, uh, and then I'm going to go about my day. And I think um, I just want us to realize uh, when we approach the table, what we are approaching, what we are participating in. And so that's why we're in Luke chapter 22 is this is where uh, in Luke's gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke record where Jesus institutes communion, okay, the Lord's Supper, um, and it tags on to the end of Passover, and we're going to cover that. But before we cover that, we've got to understand what they were doing and why they were doing it. So you should know if you've been around here long enough uh, what a covenant is. Okay, especially some of you because you are what we call covenant community, that we have made a covenant together. This is one of the things I've been going to all of our grassroots groups and discussing with them is the the covenant of grassroots church. Um, But covenant, and I'm going to boil it way, way down to the simplest thing, not because you can't handle any other way, but we just don't, I could spend an entire Sunday talking about covenant. But covenant boiled way, way down is just stepping into agreement together, okay? Stepping into agreement together. Very different than contract. Contract is an exchange of goods, right? If you've been through my premarital, you heard me preach on this before, you know the best example I have. Many of you are holding it right now. It is your cell phone. Quit paying your bill. What's going to happen? They're going to cut your service, okay? Okay? 
Let your phone not get service and not get internet and keep, you know, glitching out and everything. What are you going to do? You're going to find a different phone company to go to. That's a contract. Covenant is stepping into agreement together. And if you look all the way through scripture, you're going to see where God continues to um, re-engage his people in covenant. We actually see the first one with Adam and Eve, okay, often called the covenant of works. But then we see there's a, a new covenant that he establishes with Abraham. There's one with Noah, okay? Uh, there's the new covenant in, in, in the New Testament we're going to talk about. But there's all these covenants that God makes, and each one builds on the previous and extends and grows from the previous one. And, and what he does to mark each of these covenants, he gives a physical sign to each of these covenants. For example, uh, what's known as the Noahic covenant, the covenant that he made with Noah. What's the sign that he gave to Noah? The rainbow, the bow in the sky to promise that I'll never destroy the earth by water again, okay? Spoiler, it's by fire next time. But uh, so that is the sign that he gives. But the Abrahamic covenant that he made with Abraham, this one hurts, literally, okay? The sign of that is circumcision. That's the physical sign of the covenant. And then when we look at the new covenant, which is what we're covering today. God has established two physical signs to the new covenant. And I'm going to do a little pop quiz. Anybody know what those are? Everybody's like afraid to say it. One should be real clear this morning. Communion. That's one. What's the other one? I know y'all are waiting for me to say it. I'm not going to. Wild guesses, anybody? Baptism. The two covenant signs of the new covenant are baptism and communion. That's the two signs he's given of this new covenant. Everybody, I wish you had seen when he answered, like everybody's, oh, yeah, Because we all do that. You're like, what is it? What? I should have known that, okay? So, um, so those are the signs. And, and we are talking about today one of those signs, and that is communion or the Lord's Supper. And so uh, in Luke chapter 22, this is where Jesus is getting ready to institute this covenant sign. And so look at verse seven with me. It says, then the day of unleavened bread, then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They said to him, where will you have us to prepare it? He said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters. Tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where's the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Verse 12, and he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. Now, uh, just so we understand Passover, it's what we read in Exodus. There was a time of uh, bondage, captivity, slavery for the people of Israel in Egypt. And if you've seen the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston or the Prince of Egypt, I think DreamWorks did. The DreamWorks do the Prince of Egypt. Um, 
And, and if you watch those, you, you learn about uh, no, uh, Moses and the, the uh, plagues of Egypt, the, the 10 plagues on Egypt, and each one is kind of an attack on an Egyptian god. And, and the final one comes because Pharaoh the whole time is like, nope, 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 uh, comes to the 10th plague where it is the death of the firstborn of everyone in Egypt. And what he has instructed, God has instructed his people to do is to uh, take a lamb and watch the lamb for a couple of weeks and, and care for the lamb and then sacrifice the lamb, put the blood on your doorpost. And when the angel of death comes by, when I come by, uh, I will not uh, kill anybody in that home. And that is finally what God uses to um, bring his people out of Egypt. And so he tells them to celebrate this each year. It is a feast, and if you haven't been a part of um, what's called a Jewish Seder, uh, the meal of Passover, it is absolutely fascinating uh, to see the sign of each thing and the history of it and learn. It's absolutely fascinating. But that Passover, uh, they celebrate as a feast each year. And, and just so you know, there's a, there's a weight to that. It's not just, you know, oh, Memorial Day, family's coming over for a cookout. Like, that's not what this is. You have to understand that each family would bring a lamb into their home and tend to it as a pet for a couple of weeks. So I want you to picture if you have kids, they're playing with this lamb. If you have, you know, family, you're, you're tending this. And then after two weeks, you would, not to get gross or anything, but you would take a knife, cut the throat of the lamb, take the blood from it, and then you would roast the lamb and eat it. There's a weight to that. There is a heaviness to that that each year they would have to do this. And so what we see here in Luke chapter 22, it's that time again. And, and so here's Jesus as a uh, devout Jewish man with his disciples. It's time to celebrate and remember Passover. So that's what they are getting ready to do. Now, the, the disciples think they're getting ready to do their due Jewish diligence. Like, this is what we do each year. This is why. And we're going to do this. And, and Jesus sends, yeah, it's Passover. It's time to do this. And they've been with Jesus long enough. They've done it with him before. And, and so now it's time for this. But Jesus is going to kind of um, mix things up a little bit. He is going to institute a new covenant. And so when you see them get ready for Passover, what they're doing, I want you to catch this because this is key to what we're talking about today with communion. What they're doing is they are taking and they are now participating in the Passover. They are looking back at the deliverance that God has brought them and they are participating in that deliverance. Even how many years later, okay, they are participating in the Passover. And so what we see now is Jesus goes to switch things up. And I want you to go back to verse seven in chapter 22. Look what it says. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And um, there's a, a beautiful quote from uh, you know, uh, Guy Prentice Waters in his book on the Lord's Supper where he actually says, the reason that there's no lamp did my battery just cut out? Did that sound weird? Oh, <laughs> if, if you're at home, Jim just owned it. He just went, my bad. Um, so it's all right, buddy. Uh, 
Back to the quote. Uh, The reason that there is no lamb in the Lord's Supper is that Jesus Christ himself is the Passover lamb of God. Okay, the reason that there is no lamb in the Lord's Supper is that Jesus Christ himself is the Passover lamb of God. And when we look at that, when we see that, uh, then we see what Jesus is getting ready to switch up in uh, the, the communion, the Lord's Supper. And so look at verse 14. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. I want to make sure we're catching what's happening here. The, the Passover, I want you to picture the Passover and, and they're remembering back and they are participating in, uh, you know, this, the, the Passover, the, um, the, uh, the way God brought them out. They are, they are remembering this and they are celebrating this together as they did every year since they were boys, okay? Since they were young, they remember their families doing this every year. And now Jesus in the midst of this says, Now take this cup, this is my blood. Now take the bread, this is my body, broken and poured out for you. And we go back to what um, Guy uh, Waters said, that the reason there is no lamb in the Lord's Supper is that Jesus Christ himself is the Passover lamb of God. And so understanding what Jesus is uh, communicating to them in this time. Understanding when you step to the table what it means, what you're looking at, what you are participating in. Um, One of the most beautiful covenants that you can see in the Jewish culture is actually the marriage covenant. And one of the things that they have to do uh, in the... um, Basically, the engagement, we, we would say engagement, the betrothal uh, period of the Jewish uh, culture is that um, both families will get together, mom and dad with their daughter, mom and dad with their son, and they will all drink from the same cup. And what they are doing is entering into agreement together. They are entering into a covenant that your son, our daughter, your daughter, our son will come into marriage together. And when we see Jesus pass this cup around, I want you to catch the vision and and don't let this pass over you in this moment. Uh, Catch this vision that Jesus is making a covenant with his bride that I'm going to pay the price for you. And, And I really hope that that image of that cup being passed around and what it means, I hope that that will stay with you and and impact your hearts. But in the table, when you step to the table, when you take the juice, when you take the bread, you are participating by faith in the cross of Christ. And so what do I mean? Um, I'll I'll tell you what I mean. Hebrews chapter 11 uh, is known. Anybody know what that's called? Hebrews chapter 11? got kind of a famous name. Nobody? The Hall of Faith. 
Okay, it's the hall of faith. Yeah, it's, it's where uh, that by faith, this person, by faith, this person, by faith, this person, by faith, this person. And, and so this is the hall of faith. And, and what we see in the hall of faith, look at this. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse seven and eight. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, uh, I want to read those two verses for the purpose that we've already looked at the covenants that God made with Noah and with Abraham that he gave Noah the rainbow and he gave Abraham circumcision. He, he gave these physical signs of this covenant that they were in together. But when we look at this, when we look at this sign, we see that we're participating in. Because check it out, Noah by faith participated and built the ark. Don't get that backwards. Don't get that backwards. Noah did not build the ark and receive faith and thereby become a child of God. It was Noah was given the faith needed that he then built the ark and was saved from the flood, okay? And then Abraham, by faith, participated and moved from his homeland. It wasn't he moved from his homeland and then God said, okay, now you're a child of mine. No, no, it was you are a child of mine and by faith, Abraham moved from his homeland. And so when we step to the table with the bread and the juice and when we take these, we are participating in it by faith that this is a spiritual sustenance and it is a means of God's grace that he pours on us a blessing through this. It is not, I'm gonna take this so I can be a child of God. It is I am a child of God, therefore I take it. Please tell me that makes sense because I felt like I ranted a little bit there and, and uh, kind of, I'm not very good at that. But um, so, so let's look real briefly together uh, and then I'm gonna wrap up. And that's like, I think last week I said that three times, okay? That's the only time I'm saying it this time. Let's wrap up and think about when we come to the table for the Lord's Supper, when we come to the juice and the cracker, here's what we're doing. First, if you're a note taker, get ready because I'm getting ready to give you some notes to take. Um, first, we are looking back on the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. That's the first thing we do is we look back and we remember. Jesus said, do this and remember me. When we take the juice, when we take the bread, we remember what Jesus has done, paying, listen to me, paying, paying for our rebellion, our sin, our evil. That is what he paid for, and he took it on himself. So we look back on that sacrifice. Next is, listen, we look in, and through the work of the Holy Spirit, we repent. That's why Paul talks about that we come to the table in a worthy manner that, um, I gotta cover this real quick. You are never gonna come to this table perfect. Can we get that out of our minds? That you're not gonna come, I'm, I'm not there yet. I haven't reached that point yet. I'm not, you're never gonna reach it. Listen, Jesus reached it for you. Jesus reached it for you. You don't have to reach it. He did it for you. But you do come to the table in a worthy manner, meaning if there's sin in your life, and you don't want to give it up, 
And at this point, you think whatever it is that is sin against God is more important than God, don't come to this table. But if there's sin in your life and God reveals it to you and you repent of that, you confess that, then you come to the table in God's grace and mercy. So we look in and we repent. First, we look back on the sacrifice. Then we look in and we repent. But then we look around in unity. We look around in unity because when we come to the table, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get real sharp here for just a second. Um, I hope that, I hope, God, I hope you bless this. I hope it's of you and not me. Um, when we step to the table, there is no longer black or white. There is no longer young or old. There is no longer Republican or Democrat. There is no longer born in America, not born in America. There is no longer raised in church, not raised in church. Those things are all gone when we step to the table because we look around in unity and we go, first and foremost, you are a child of the King. I am a child of the King. We are part of the family of God in unity. We look around in unity. And all those worthless dividing points that Jesus paid for our evil and rebellion on the cross for are gone. So we look back on the sacrifice, we look in and we repent and we look around in unity. But listen, we then look out to the world and we identify with Christ and we, through this, take the gospel to the world. We are proclaiming the gospel to the world that you have to understand it was God's body broken. It was his blood poured out for your rebellion, my rebellion. My faith is in that. And so we look out to the world and we proclaim the gospel in this. So we look back on the sacrifice, we look in and repent, we look around in unity, we look out to the world and identify with Christ. But then we look forward to the full coming of the kingdom of God. We say it over and over, the kingdom of God is here, but not yet. The kingdom of God is here in that his bride is present, his children, his sons and daughters are present on, our, on earth, the Holy Spirit empowering us to do the work of the kingdom, but it's not fully here yet because we are not yet in physical, okay, physical proximity to Jesus, our Savior. But that time is coming. We look back on the sacrifice, but we look forward to the return of the king. And that is not a Lord of the Rings reference, even though that's usually what you get from me. It is not a Lord of the Rings reference. We are looking forward to the return of the one true king when we step to this table. And so remembering this, that we look back on the sacrifice, we look in and repent, we look around in unity, we look out to the world and identify with Christ, but we look forward to the full coming of the kingdom of God. This is what we do. So to clarify an end, this is not some religious What's the word I'm looking for? What was that? Ceremony. That you just, well, to keep Jesus happy with me, I'll drink some juice and I'll eat some bread. Please understand that is worthless. It is worthless. But when we step to the table, we look back, we look in, we look around, we look out, and we look forward. There's a weight to this supper that we partake in and we participate in. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word.
Thank you for this physical sign, Jesus, of the covenant you have made with us as your children. Lord, that you would just use this now. Use this as a means of your grace to continue nourishing us, to continue building us up, to continue drawing us together in unity. Lord, use this. Father God, this is a tough season where we uh, are unable to gather as one uh, body as a whole. We're thankful for technology uh, that we can come together in the way we are, uh, Father. So we have to fight for unity, and I pray that you would uh, work through your Holy Spirit in us to fight for that unity. God, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.